0: Now, this word preaching is the same as evangelizing. It has the Greek meaning of evangelizing, heralding the good news. Now, you would think that in days of persecution that all they would have had was bad news. And I'm sure there may have been negative spirits around who are saying, hey, you Christians are not doing so well now. You had a heyday for a while, but now look at you. But Philip preached the good news and the good news of course was the very word of the Lord. Welcome to let the Bible speak. This is Pastor Ian Gallagher. I count it a privilege again to bring the message of God's word. And today we're doing two particular things. One is the main message on Philip steps to become an evangelist and how it involved persecution, trial of his faith. And it, 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 it ought never to be easy to be a witness for the Lord Jesus. We're going against the current. We are swimming up river. We are facing the opposition of darkness as we preach the name of. Of the Lord Jesus. And when we think it's going to be easy, then of course we lose sight of our need of the Lord. Now, in Mark chapter 1 today, we're going to have another moment with Mark and his gospel. We're going to see how the Lord had compassion upon a leper, one who was in desperate need, and said, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. There seems to be a hint there that maybe the Lord would not wish to. Well, he found the Lord to be ready and willing. And you will too, if you put your trust in the Savior. So stay tuned now as we let the Bible speak. Then the next S that I have, and I have four S's as uh, uh, my headings tonight. The first is be a servant. The second is be steadfast. In verses three and four of chapter eight, Um, we see the havoc uh, that has come upon the church. And I choose that word right here from verse 3. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. These were tumultuous days, difficult days, horrendous times, fear, tears, disappointment, upheaval, uh, scattering, uh, fleeing. All of this. And yet, Stephen remained steadfast, almost out of the same breath. Uh, the writer here would be Luke, and actually says, then Philip went down. Now, it reads like just a, a very smooth transition. But I'm sure for Philip, there have been the question, should we give up? should we just lie low, do nothing for a while, and see what transpires? But it's as if instantly then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ. And here is the steadfast spirit uh, in the heart of, of Philip. He's not giving up. He's not surrendering. And even though Stephen, and he would have watched his very Teammate, his fellow deacon, one of the seven that were chosen on that same event, who worked and served together in the church, and to witness Stephen stoned to death, did not deter Philip from pressing on and remaining steadfast in the work of the gospel. Now, we need steadfast Christians today. We need Christians who are steadfast in the doctrines of the gospel, are pure in morality, and are ready to preach the gospel, whatever the cost. And this is the therefore that is needed in our hearts and in our mission to serve the Lord. Now, I know that many Christians can get discouraged, and there can be very hard times in the Lord's church— I think one of the f- subtle forms of the devil's persecution is apathy. When you are ignored, not wanted, when nobody cares, that's hard. But we must not give up. We must be ready to press on and to take a cue from, from Philip and be steadfast. So, I thank you for coming tonight. I thank you for being here in this church. I think most come to every meeting. And we can only pray that God will work in the hearts of his people and make each one, as Philip, steadfast in the face of very difficult times. The other S that I discover in, in this and in as our heading tonight is be scriptural. If you notice in verse 4, that they went everywhere preaching the word, preaching the word. Now, this word preaching is the same as evangelizing. It has the Greek meaning of evangelizing, heralding the good news. Now, you would think that in days of persecution, that all they would have had was bad news, and I'm sure there may have been negative spirits around who are saying, hey, you Christians are not doing so well now. You had a heyday for a while, but now look at you. But Philip preached the good news, and the good news, of course, was the very word of the Lord. You'll see also that in that good news of the word, uh, that it was Christ The message of Christ, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And so he did have good news. Now, to be a Christian in that day is not easy, but we have Christ. And he preached the Savior. And then, of course, when you get to the Ethiopian eunuch, you'll find he did exactly the same. In verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and began that the same Scripture— Now, notice this, he's preaching scripturally and preached unto him Jesus. So, scriptural preaching is Christ-focused preaching, and you must seek to get to the message of the Lord. Now, to emphasize this, I've got a whole list of what he didn't preach, and I'll just list them. Not Judaism, and it was not culture— It was not Peter. Peter was not the head apostle. He was not someone to be looked up to. And when he arrived on the scene in Samaria, he was not some head dignitary, but he arrived with John, both of them together. They had been commissioned to go and see how Philip's ministry was being conducted. And it was not Mary. There was no emphasis on Mary. She's not even mentioned in all of these passages here. And it was not miracles. Now, the wonderful thing is that Philip did do miracles. It tells us in this chapter that he uh, went into Samaria, and in verse 6— That hearing that the people with one accord give heed unto those things which Philip spake. Now, I'd advise you to to circle the word spake. It was the words that he preached that they believed in, not the miracles. And that's very important. Now, Philip, though he was not an apostle, did miracles. So miracles were not unique to the apostles. There were those who were conferred with the power to do miracles who were not apostles. They what we would call second generation. But when the apostles died, that transfer stopped. Philip did not transfer his gift to the next person and then to the next person. It was the apostles only who transferred that gift. But the important thing to notice that Philip, his ministry, scriptural— was Christ, not the miracles, not even the casting out of demons and such mighty power that was demonstrated. Now, those miracles undoubtedly awoke the people to the power of the gospel, but they were not called to believe in miracles. And that's very, very important in this matter. So when we go evangelizing and telling people the good news of the gospel— We do not go saying, come to our church and see a miracle. We do not emphasize some of these uh, spirit gifts that were in action in the first century, because even then the people were not called to believe in miracles as the way of salvation, but to believe in the Christ, the Savior, Who has come to save by his blood, by the cross. Now, notice this again. When Peter and John came down, and it says in verse 14: When the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, that was the news. That was the excitement the Word got back. Philip's gone down to Samaria. People are believing. What are they believing? It says in verse 14, they had received the Word of God. And of course, Peter and John went to check it out to see if these things were genuine. And so, we come to the bottom line that all our evangelism is to be conducted on the basis of the written Word of God. The best evangelist is the one that goes with his Bible in hand. And even you're talking to your friend at lunchtime at work or to your neighbor, the best thing you can do is go with Bible in hand and say, here, look, See what is written in God's Word. See what God has said on this matter and how you can be saved. Here are the promises, and here are the warnings. Here are the things that God has said about your soul. And with the Word in hand, we have the opportunity to present the gospel and to tell the good news of Jesus. Now, that should be true in our personal evangelism. It should be true in our Collective meetings, if you bring someone in and you say, Look, Pastor, preach the gospel to this person, I'm going to use the book, I'm going to preach the word. It should be true with our tracts, our literature. If you're going to give a gospel tract or a gospel leaflet to someone, you want to have it Bible based, filled with scripture. That's why we've uh, liked to use the New Beginning. And it's really just headings and Bible verses calling people to check this out for themselves in the Bible. And quite often the text is written out uh, because people are lazy. They don't get their Bible. They don't turn it up. And so it's right there that they might check out the Bible for themselves. And then on radio, we have to live up to our name. Let the Bible speak. And we need to be Busy setting forth what the Bible teaches on the issues of salvation and so on. And so, this is so important. And Philip, we see, was certainly scriptural, preaching the Word, preaching Christ. And when he spoke to the Ethiopian one-to-one, he preached unto him Jesus. So, when you go evangelizing, don't get sidetracked. Don't get talking about UFOs. Don't get talking about doctors going to Mars. That's the latest big news now in the world of astronomy. And don't get carried away with uh, some ridiculous date setting and all of these things, uh, questions that come up, is, is Islam going to be the Antichrist or the Pope? You know, don't get distracted to those things. Keep to the the salvation issue of the cross, the person and work of Christ, and how he can save sinners. We see that from the life of Philip. Now come to number four, the word sensitive, and how Philip, uh, to be in the right place at the right time, to be used of the Lord, it had to be very sensitive to the Lord's speaking to his own heart. Now, as again, the surprising thing is that he left a very busy harvest field to go to speak to one man. Some would criticize and say, Philip, you're needed here. You can do more good here than over there. You don't even know who's there. You don't even know what's ahead of you. Why step out of something where God is using you and go to something else? And that shows just how sensitive Philip was to the Lord's leading. Now look at verse 26, and you'll see how the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, 40 miles from Jerusalem up to Samaria, about 50 miles south toward the coast to this place where he was to Gaza in the desert, and then later to Azotus or Ashdod. So that's verse 26. Verse 29, you will see how then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near. Now, this was not a big distance. He was sitting in very close proximity to this Ethiopian, this black man sitting in the chariot, reading quietly. And he was prompted by the Spirit to go sit near him, talk to him. Strike up a conversation. Initiate. And that's the difficult thing about evangelism, initiating the conversation. You know, it'd be okay to go and sit in a park bench and just wait and see who comes and talks to you and asks you the questions. But And you know how the Jehovah's Witnesses do it? They stand in the street corner with this magazine, and they just hold it up, and they don't even offer it out. They don't even try and persuade people to take one, they just hold it up, and you walk by and go on. I, I, that would kill me. That would be an assignment of absolute boredom. Philip was to engage, and the Spirit of God told him to go near. And isn't it amazing how in a situation like that, God opens our mouths and prompts us to go and speak to an individual. Arise and go. And then this verse 29 go near. And then again in verse 39, after the Ethiopian is baptized, and when they were come out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. Now, please don't ask me to explain that one. That's beyond me. It's beyond most commentators as well. It seems that he is somehow drawn away and he shows up at this place called Azotus or Ashdod. And he's done with the Ethiopian. His work is done, and he is moved on. But it's God that's moving him, because it says here, the Spirit of the Lord caught him away. He's not on his own agenda. He's on God's agenda, and he's going in the very will of the Lord seeking to be sensitive to the Lord's leading, how do we pray? And we need to be much in prayer. Lord, lead me. Put me in the right place. Open the right door. Close the wrong door. That's a good prayer to make. Here is a a very good little hymn. Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me, Lord, just what to say. Friends of mine are lost in sin and cannot find their way. Lead me to some wayward soul, to one who's wandered from the fold. Help me turn them unto thee, thy blessings to behold. Lead me from self-righteousness. May Christ always be seen in me. How can I do anything less than lead more souls to thee? Open hearts of those I love to hear and heed the gospel. Call. May they start to heaven above, and may they never fall. Few there are who seem to care, and few there are who pray. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today. I think we should memorize the first stanza, Lead Me to Some Soul Today, O teach me, Lord, just what to say. Friends of mine are lost in sin and cannot find their way. Would you pray that prayer? Would you take it that the Lord would deal with you, guide you, make you sensitive to his leading? And whether it is giving a gospel booklet, leaflet— inviting someone to church, and that's so important. It's so important that we actively go and invite people to hear the gospel. Uh, People are lazy. People are careless. People are blinded. And we have this great treasure, and you hear the gospel week after week after week. Should we not be bringing people in and praying that God may use us to reach some soul with the message? Now, what they do with it, we are not in control, but we do have a responsibility to reach out. And we need to pray, Lord, move me, guide me. If we are Believing in the sovereignty of God, that all things under his control, the Lord has a people whom he's going to save. Then he will lead his servants, his people, to witness to them. All things are of God. And so let us pray that we be like Philip, that we be servants, steadfast, scriptural, and that we be sensitive to the very leading of the Lord. Will you make that your prayer tonight? Um, Young people, too, maybe you've never done it before. Maybe this is a first for you. But let me tell you, there will be a spiritual reward in your heart, In, 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 in your own soul. There will be a joy. It will be a blessedness when you take the gospel to some soul. When you do it prayerfully, lovingly, with a burden, and if God should use you to bring some soul to Christ, you will have a wonderful part in the work of the kingdom. What an opportunity. Let us not miss those opportunities, but pray that we be prepared for every one of them. Welcome to another moment in Mark's Gospel. We're looking at chapter 141. We're reading about the man who was a leper coming to the Lord Jesus. We find that Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said, I will be thou clean. We learn here that the Lord had the will to heal the man. The man questioned that. He said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. The, The leper believed that Jesus had the power, but he wasn't absolutely sure if the Lord would do it. But the Lord did, and he was willing to heal this leper. The answer was in a heartbeat. Not a hint of hesitation was found here, and out of his perfect human nature, Jesus met many poor spectacles of suffering infirmity he was the perfect man. He was whole, complete, and with no defect in his nature. He came into the world to deal with human ills. We are filled with infirmities, but Jesus is perfect. There is a difference between infirmities that are sinful and infirmities that are the result of sin. If you were to read Octavius Winslow, the Puritan, he calls these infirmities constitutional. Then there are the physical infirmities. They are not sinful, but the result of being born into a sinful world. Paul gloried in them, for in them he proved the Lord's grace when he said, My grace is sufficient for thee. And so we do not hide our infirmities. We're called to confess them and pray for grace to overcome them. And, withstand our own weaknesses we find in our own hearts and lives. We must not let them become a problem, but seek grace to overcome them. And so the Christian is the realist. We realize our shortcomings and our inabilities, and we go to the Lord with these and say, help, Lord, we need your power. Now, the Lord has the power to heal. Note that the Lord's compassion moved him. He cannot be at rest when called on to help. That's his nature. He commanded him to be clean. The Lord works by the word of his power. And then he touched him. That was a demonstration of identity. To be identified with a leper, well, to the Jew, that was unthinkable. But the Lord Jesus is ready to be identified even with the most infected and the most sinful. He will heal us, and he will let the world know that he did it. Now, the Lord had the authority to declare the leper clean. And in verse 44, we find that he was to go to the priest for a testimony. Well, when the Lord heals you will soon have a testimony that you're made whole, and if you put your trust in him, there will be no doubt of the Savior's power at work in your heart, and this gives us great hope. We are to bring our problems to Christ. Faith in Christ is always honored, and we are coming to the Lord and expressing our compassion. In his name, his nature, In the whole history of the Lord's dealings with his people, even with lepers. And so the sinner too can come and expect the healing, saving power of the Lord. We come to pray on the terms of the merciful Saviour who has already saved us. And he has had compassion on us. And he will do it again. As you go to the Lord in prayer and wait on him. He will keep on dealing with you on the terms of compassion because Jesus cannot change. He cannot help himself, but be compassionate when there is earnest seeking for his help. May the Lord minister to your heart, bless you today, and give you the real enjoyment of the sympathy of our Lord Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer.